0: Welcome to Investing with IBD podcast sponsored this week by Growth Stock Mentor. I'm Justin Nielsen, your host. It's Wednesday, October 13th, 2021. And folks, buckle your seatbelts. We've got a show for you today. Uh, Not only do we have Arusha Pires, O'Neill, Global Advisors Portfolio Manager joining the show. Once again, we also have Scott St. Clair, the Premium Product Group Manager of Investors Business Daily. Now, this was a title formally held by Arusha. So this is the first time we're having Scott St. Clair on with the new title and uh, no longer under the thumb of Arusha. So welcome yep. to the show, both of you.
1: It's like when, you know, once Bill Belichick retires, somebody is still going to have to coach the New England Patriots, right? right? And when Arusha retired, somebody had to take his spot.
2: Well, yes. that, that, that was a very nice compliment there, Scott. I, I, I was thinking more that there's a sucker born every day. So.
0: Right. And, <laughs> and, and today that day is uh, Scott. Well, and I, it, it's just, you know, Again, it, it goes to the list of Arusha's former formerly held titles, you know, former podcast host, former streaming True, product, yeah. you know, manager. So uh, you can yeah. start like a little group. Yes, exactly. All, all the people that have taken the place of Arusha, you know, so, um, well, let's see on today's show, man, there's going to be a lot to talk about because uh, not only do we have the market to talk about, but really what's going on with this market correction and some of the stocks that are looking really strong despite the indexes uh in that corrective phase so we'll talk a lot about how we're handling our portfolios and and get some information from scott uh, and a few stocks that he's been playing himself so uh let's get right to it gentlemen um what what do you think of the market right now maybe we start with the nasdaq composite still getting resistance at the 21 day moving average line um but you know we're holding above the lows of october 4th and uh we could get a follow-through day any day. What do you think, Scott?
1: Yeah, it's it's really a strange market. The 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 composition of my portfolio, and maybe we'll talk about it later, is is like the most diverse that I've had in a long, long time. Like the types of names that I own. Uh, a few days ago, I was pretty negative on the market. You know, you undercut that low at fourteen forty-two. I'm sorry, 14,423. That shows you how long I've been in the business because the NASDAQ was 14 and 22 at one point. <laughs> Incredible. Uh, but you'd never, you had never, if you look at all those, those waves down, you never really under, ever undercut any lows previously. So you finally had an undercut, which told me the market was a lot weaker uh, than usual. And if we had done this podcast yesterday or or the day before, I probably would have thought that we're headed for another lower low. Mm -hmm. I think it's still possible, but today was a very good day. I felt there was, I had a lot of um, what I call jealousy. There were some stocks that I, that I like that I don't own because of the market environment, but uh, they had great days today. C limited MDB, Um, And even a couple that I do own that had pretty good days. So uh, it's, it's very hard. That's why you just take it day by day and you have to be willing to change, to be flexible to the information you're getting. Uh, And then maybe tomorrow or another day, I'll change my mind a little bit the other way. Right. But uh, you have to be willing to do that. Otherwise you could, you could really uh, get stuck with a a, a bad position.
2: Yeah. And, and, I'm a little surprised that it, when it undercut the 14,423 level, that that you weren't kind of keeping an eye out for maybe this is a potential shakeout on the indexes because you, you know you're, you're always kind of looking for that and and you know I, I learned that from you uh, you know to keep that open mind once you have that undercut you could get that little bit of a shakeout but that being said I I understand the other part where. We've been kind of going down for for a few weeks and just that psychology, how quick that can change, especially if some of those stocks uh, get hit. So talk a little bit more about that kind of undercut uh, and, and what you were going through uh, there when it started coming back above 14,423.
1: Yeah, I, I love the undercut setups, especially in stocks because yeah. if a stock breaks a low and, and it looks like it's going down, and doesn't, it, it should go down, but doesn't, it tells me that the institutions are in there using that weakness to accumulate those shares. And obviously it works the same with the indexes. Uh, one of my favorite conversations I had at Marcus Smith when I first started, I spoke to, a, um, he was a former uh, m- a mutual fund manager at Fidelity And uh, he was just running his own money and he was using Marketsmith. And he called and and we were talking and the market was really bad that day. And he was saying, oh, boy, I love days like this. This is when I can uh, grab all my favorite positions. And that was really unusual. I was like confounded by his statement because it was an awful day. I was probably getting killed. I was probably down 5% or something, Mm -hmm. you know, loaded up in these growth stocks. And he just loved it. And it, it, I still remember that. I was like 10, 10 years ago uh, um, when that happened. And so th- that's how the institutions think, right? Mm-hmm. So if they're using any weakness to accumulate positions, then you, you 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 will see that in the charts, right? It'll start to show up. So I, I do love love that, that undercut. In fact, I added to, I wasn't very, um, Heavy in, in you know, tech growth, can slim type names coming into today because I, I just thought the market was going lower, but I added to a name I had and, and, and put on a new position uh, just based on today's action so far.
0: Well, and to that end, you know, just talking about growth and what growth has been doing, um, maybe we pull up FFTY real quick because FFTY, which is the Innovator IBD 50 Growth um, uh, ETF, it's it had a really strong day and, you know, this got support at the 200 day moving average line and is now challenging uh, both the 21 day and the 50 day moving average lines, um, you know, whereas the indexes still have some, you know, most of the indexes still have some room to go before they get above those lines. But the the IBD 50, it's right there.
1: Yeah, it looks like, it, so you had a, tried to break out, that failed. And now it looks like maybe the, uh, the, 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 the break low um, has failed as well, right? You have a nice little shakeout from 52 down to 45. So uh, I don't watch this as closely as I do the indexes, mm-hmm. um, but it is, it, there's a lot of like ARC and FFTY. There, there are other uh, things you can watch to try to get a really good feel for um, the markets because The indexes are so top heavy with Facebook, Amazon, you know, Google, Apple, that they don't always tell the best story, I think, about the types of names that uh, that we are interested in.
2: Yeah. And going off of that, Justin, you, you started off with we're in a correction. This is this is a little strange that the stocks are coming back. Uh, so soon. you know, there, There's always a point where we may put it into marketing correction, but it might be more of an intermediate pullback than anything right. else. right? Well, you don't know initially. We're just taking day by day, co- watching the distribution count, watching how a number of leading stocks are starting to get hit. And you're just kind of making an educated uh, ass- assessment at that point, saying, based on history, this is what we think will happen. But you always have to keep that open mind that hey maybe this is just more of a pullback maybe stocks are are coming back so going off with that you know Scott what are some of the things that you're looking for to help you slowly move more into the market and become more aggressive in the market
1: well the number one thing is higher prices I just think you you just want to buy stocks that that don't want to go down and it's hard psychologically if you like X Y Z at 100. You know, to buy it at 105, 110. Uh, but uh, you, you, one thing that um, one of the portfolio managers that worked at William O'Neill for longest time, told me, that sticks with me. He said, Bill, "Bill, he goes, Bill always loved to buy buy high. he's buy, he'd always buy more at higher and higher prices. Mm-hmm. Um, because I told him, I said that I, I just like that too. I just love if I own something at 150, I love to buy more at 152 or 153." Now, once it starts to get a little bit, you know, extended from there, I'm not going to do that. But I I think if you, if you have a position and sometimes i will just start with like a probe position, then I can, you know, I have like an anchoring price, you know, and good or bad I've anchored to where I've entered. And now if it starts to go up, then I want to put more money into that. So then like the name I added to today uh, was because it's higher. It went higher. Okay. Then it deserves more money. And the name that I started today, I just start with a small position. And if it decides to go higher tomorrow or five days from now, then it'll get more of my money. And so I think that's the easiest way to do it is just let the market vote for you.
0: Yeah. It's a, it's a market feedback mechanism. You know, once your decisions are proven correct, uh, then you can kind of dole more money out to the ones where, Again, those decisions have been proven to be correct. So um, let's go ahead and take a break real quick. And when we come back, we're going to get into a little bit more of this whole idea of uh, what we should be doing while the market is still in a correction and you know what things you can look for to put on your radar so that you're ready for a market turn. Stay tuned. Bill O'Neill, founder of IBD and a legend in the world of growth stock investing, mentored Jim Ropel and it changed Jim's life. Now Jim is here to mentor you take your free trial on growthstockmentor.com every week you'll get Jim's thoughts on the market his ride the wave plan Jim's favorite true market leaders two updates each week and a live members only meeting once a month also you can ask Jim anything anytime 24 7 take your free trial on growthstockmentor.com now Welcome back to the Investing with IBD podcast sponsored by Growth Stock Mentor. It's Justin Nielsen here along with my special guest every week, Arusha Pyrrhus, and today's guest, Scott St. Clair. And Scott St. Clair, by the way, you can reach him on Twitter at Zen in the Markets. So Scott, let's talk a little bit more about while we are in this corrective phase, kind of in the indexes, um, what is your typical action that you do? What what do you do during a correction? And um, how do you stay engaged looking for stocks, um, but not getting too heavily involved to where you get chopped up? What's your strategy?
1: I tend to do the same thing, regardless of market correction, market and uptrend. Mm-hmm. I tend to, every Sunday, just, go through as many lists, as many screens, as many reports as I can uh, just to try to stay on top of the market. I think it gives me a good feel for the market uh, as far as, you know, how stocks are looking. I like to look at a lot of stocks. um, And then I just set alerts for the stocks and the price points that I'm interested in. And then I let the market do its thing, you know, and if the market's good, more of those alerts are going to go off. More ideas will come up. Yeah, that's true. Yep, I'll have more alerts for sure. And if the market's poor, then you just Monday through Friday, you're just you know you're not doing a whole lot. Uh, But I I don't like to get too far away from the market. I'm almost always have something in the market, some type of position probing. I think the last time I was all the way in cash was in the uh, the original COVID crisis that really what's that, February, March of 2020. Right. Um, I usually have some stock that I feel like is so strong. I want to try to hold on to it. But if the market's really bad, it's going to push me out of that name, of course. But mostly I'm, all, I'm, I'm in, you know, because I, I just think, for me anyways, by having a position, I just get a better, I got to have skin in the game. I got to have something in there. I got to feel it a little bit, right? Whether I'm winning or losing uh, versus, you know, paper trading or something like that.
2: And and w- Scott, what are some of the the characteristics that you look? So you're looking through tons of stocks. What are the, a few of the characteristics that really pop out at you? So maybe a number of stocks are getting hit hard, right? And then and suddenly you, you stop and you're, you're looking at this one stock and you're like, why is this stock, you know, popping out to me? What, 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 sticks out to you to make you write it down or set an alert on it?
1: So initially it's always like relative strength. It's the price. It's a stock that, especially if the markets coming down, that doesn't want to go down. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if, if the markets, and that's one thing about corrections that a lot of people don't like them, you know, we don't want to sit, sit around. We, we always prefer to be making money, but, you know, it's, it's hard to separate the good from the bad in a, in an uptrend. It's a, all the rising tide lifts all boats, but in a correction, it's the best merchandise just will refuse to go down. It sticks out like a sore thumb. So I, I love relative strength. I love the RS line. That's probably, or for sure, my favorite technical indicator. I think it just gives you the, the, the best way to visually see Uh, The the stocks that don't want to go down versus you saying, oh, I think X, Y, Z is a great stock. I think I'll buy that for the next up leg.
0: Yeah. And to be clear, the relative strength line, you know, you might have the stock going down, but that relative strength line can be holding up because it's not going down. That stock isn't going down as much, you know, so that can be very telling sometimes where it's uh, it's still a, a rising relative strength line, even when the stock is getting hit. So that's, uh, that's the best, things-
1: Justin. If the <laughs> S&P goes down 20% and this your stock goes down 12%, that's, oh, that's, that's just, relative strength. <laughs> yeah, but you also get a correction too. So you get a stock that you want to buy, and it's not that it's coming in in price. You know, the price is irrelevant. If it's not that I want to buy it cheaper, I just it's just showing so much strength, and then also it allows either a pullback to a moving average if that's the way you prefer to buy or it allows a stock to build a base. If the market's going up, the best stocks, they don't build bases. Why should they? The market's mm-hmm. going up. So uh, you need that that uh, pullback in the market. To Those are my two favorite setups. I either want to buy it coming out of a base or I want to buy um, a pullback to the moving average, most specifically like the 10 week or some type of undercut uh, of, of a low and then a rally back up. Uh, those, those are going to be... Uh, my favorite setups, and you're just not going to get them if the market's going up every day. <laughs> you're yeah, going to so, be left looking for stuff.
2: So, so going off that with that relative screen, relative strength line, are are you looking using like the blue dot list in in a MarketSmith, uh, or some other kind of screen in in MarketSmith to, to do this, or are you just going through the Growth 250 or something like that?
1: Yeah, there's two ways. The blue dot screen is great. You know, if the stock's in a base and the RS line's making new high, it's going to have that blue dot or the new uh, list that we created. That's just all RS line new high. So, you know, if, this if it just gives you every single stock where the RS line is making a new high and it has like a little count on it, which is kind of cool too. So if we were to stay sideways in the market for a while, you could see, Uh, stocks where the the number of times that the RS line is making new highs while the stock is um, going sideways. You could see, you could even, you know, Jeffries, there's 11 or Aon, wow, 19. Um, But I probably would sort this. This is a big list. It's 332 stocks. But, you know, if you sort it by composite rating or EPS rating or something, you just bring the best, quality. So now you have the the combination we prefer, right? You have a a great company with earnings, sales, group strength, and then you have the technical picture, which is the relative strength line making new high. And that's going to be your best merchandise right there.
0: Just as a point of clarification, what is the difference between the relative strength uh, line at new high versus the blue dot?
1: The only difference is that the stock has to be in a base as identified by our pattern recognition algorithm. So if, if there's no base, you can, you can get RS line new high, mm-hmm. like uh, bill.com, which we'll probably talk about. The RS line is a new high, but there's no blue dot because there's no base as identified by the algorithm.
0: Right. And, and I'll, I'll say one thing that I do like about that. Is you know sometimes I'm identifying other areas to buy, and I'm not necessarily wanting to wait for a base to form. Um, so again, it just gives you a little bit more sometimes uh, with that relative yeah, you, new high.
1: It's a it's it's a dichotomy you can encounter, right? Because if it's a really good stock, it might not build a base long enough. It might not wait five weeks for you waiting for a base. And all the more reason, probably, why I want to own it, if it mm-hmm. if it's having. So it's weird that we. I'd like to wait for a base, but sometimes the market, a lot of times, really, honestly, it just doesn't doesn't wait around for me. So you have to have like an alternative way to buy them, whether that's um, you know a descending trend line or some type of pullback. I think the standard way to buy stocks is with the base, uh, but you really after that, you probably want to develop a strategy that you're comfortable with. You can identify your risk reward. That's an alternative, you know, mm-hmm. and, and for me, it's either an undercut or a pullback to the, um, uh, the, the, 10 week line, or even something as simple as a really, really bad day in the market that comes out of the blue. And the, I always on my screen will look for stocks that, um, the, they're the first ones to go green that day. Hmm. So I think it was a few days ago. Uh, I'm sorry, we had a really bad day in the market. Not a few days. I think it was probably it was about, like maybe, a week
2: maybe, and a half ago. Or yeah, like there's
1: a really bad day in the market, and you know the, where the, I'm talking about like Nasdaq down two percent, the index two percent or more. Right. And I'm just scouring, looking for anything that that doesn't want to go down, and that's an immediate um, potential watch list candidate yeah
2: and it, it's funny like before we started segment I, I i said let's not talk too much about the the list and stuff like that in market smith but we we pulled up the i pulled up on uh on the screen right here so if you're watching uh, if you're lis- listening to this right now you can always go to your computer and see the video version investors.com slash podcast but i pulled up the all rs line new high list and actually one year per proficient that's refuse as you were talking about refusing to go down. Here's this stock that hasn't taken any time off, really. Uh, but one thing that I think everyone should really hear is that we created a lot of these lists for ourselves. Right. You know, it, it's <laughs> it, it's it, it, over the years, and, and also our customers, obviously, because we're talking, we're all using MarketSmith, we're all trying to find different ways. To find these stocks earlier. So we're just asking the programmers to program it. That's how the blue dot came around. It's how this all RS line new high list with the count came in. Um, I actually forgot that, that we put the count in there. So I was like, oh, that's really cool. I just I just hit the space bar usually. Heck, that's how all the it.
0: screens in the newspaper came about. It was because yeah. Bill
2: was looking. This is what Bill was looking for. Exactly. <laughs> and and, and it just makes sense. It's it's uh, the reason I think why the paper and, and why Mark's within all these things have been so effective is because it, people who are actually using these products in house are coming up with a number of these ideas and to help them find and they're and they're testing it in real time saying hey did this list did this screen did the this p- place in the newspaper did that really help it simplify the process of find this next idea
1: it's one thing I love, and we're not part of William O'Neill and company longer, but it's the, the culture is the same at investors. Business. One thing I love is, is we practice what we preach. We eat our own cooking. Mm-hmm. I, I use Marcus Smith for all of my accounts and, and have been using, you know, before Marcus's daily grass, but have been for 25 years using these products to find ideas. Uh, and it's, and it's fun to, to, see like i know justin does it and chris gessel and david and and all of them they all use these products to find ideas for for their own money because it's the the best out there
2: Uh, well i'm I'm not part of ibd anymore but i'm still using marketsmith every day so scott Scott, what's the login exactly you you better you better be continue to be generous
0: (laughs) (laughs) Uh,
1: i think there's been a problem with your password right exactly
0: or or you know what you should change his password to something like scott rocks (laughs) i'm
1: gonna change it to uh las vegas raiders (laughs) seven and What, what
2: like like your uh <laughs> yeah,
1: don't give away my zoom password. yeah like your zoom
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> now anyone can you, get you my said zoom it not, not not me <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay so let's talk a little bit about sitting out power because I'll, I'll just share you know my personal experience like in 2000 here i was you know just starting out with this stuff and not to brag, but I got out so well in 2000, it was awesome. And I'm just like, you know, patting myself on the back as I'm watching everything go down. But then I kept on trying to get in too heavy too soon. Um, And, you know, especially jumping on margin very quickly, and, you know, quickly eroded my account in 2001 and 2002. And so I'm always very careful not to do that. Uh, Now, granted, that was a 79% correction in the Nasdaq. Here, you know, we haven't even come down, you know, more than 10%. So, is is this correction different? Is this something where you can play a little bit of these these stocks? Um, and if so, how do you how do you balance the sit out power with staying involved and, as you said, keeping some of that skin in the game, Scott?
1: So you, you, it's. I think it's just simple math. This is the way I look at it. If I have a ten percent position in one name, or maybe two. Sometimes I might go at five percent positions if I'm, you know, uncertain about the market. And let's say I just get it completely wrong, and it goes down ten percent. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I lose one percent on my whole portfolio, right? If I did the math right. I, I once did this on IBD Live, and the guy told me you did the math wrong. So I always qualify it with maybe just in case. You, you missed yeah, a I, decimal point over I, a couple I times. The like, they yeah, they are right. definitely pretty
0: sharp on, I, on IPD Live. I they'll did, they'll dude, catch,
1: they catch you, you man. Well, yeah. If you make a mistake, they'll know. <laughs> so you lose 1%. So, you know, if, I, I always say, well, can I survive a 1% haircut? You know, and, and a lot of times if you're ahead, if you're, let's say you're up 15% for the year. I think you could survive a handful of 1% haircuts before you'd start to say, wait, something's not quite right. You know, if I was at 15 and, and I kept doing that and all of a sudden I'm up nine, I, I need to start to say, wait, wait a second, something's wrong. But I, I'm always willing to risk a little bit, especially what I've made to, to try to, to stack on. Now, if I'm down eight or nine or 10% for the year, then I, it's a different story. I think you want to be more defensive. So I know we were talking football before we started here. And I always said, I'd love if we had our own football podcast, but I think it's, to me, it's like football. And I think football is such such a great game. It's, It's the strategy in football is really complex. And, but if you're, Nowadays, they go for it a lot on fourth down, but yeah. before they never used to do that, even though the math says that they're not going for, they're not being aggressive enough on fourth down, but they're so nervous. And then there was that the, the high school um, in Arkansas, I think, the, the, where the guy never punted and then mm-hmm. he won like five state championships and people st- thought, wait a second, maybe <laughs> the math is right. <laughs> right. So if it's fourth and inches from your own five yard line, you punt every time, every time, unless there's a minute left in the game and you're down six. But if it's fourth and inch, fourth and four from your opponent's 37-yard line, you go for it because the math says the risk-reward of doing so is in your favor. If you get it wrong at the opponent's 37, they still got to go 60-some yards. If you get it wrong at your five, it's a, it's disaster to do that. And so I think that's the same way I think about my portfolio. If if I'm doing well, I will want to go for it more often on fourth down. And if I'm doing poorly and you know, it might be fourth and inches, but you know what, I'm not doing that good. I need to punt. I need to be more defensive. So it's a natural ebb and flow each time.
0: Well, okay, let's go ahead and take a break right now. And when we come back, Scott is going to share some of the stocks that are on his radar and how he's handling them in this tricky market. Stay tuned. Bill O'Neill, founder of IBD and a legend in the world of growth stock investing, mentored Jim Ropel and it changed Jim's life. Now, Jim is here to mentor you. Take your free trial on growthstockmentor.com. Every week, you'll get Jim's thoughts on the market, his ride the wave plan, Jim's favorite true market leaders, two updates each week, and a live members-only meeting once a month. Also, you can ask Jim anything, anytime, 24-7. Take your free trial on growthstockmentor.com now. Welcome back to Investing with IBD Podcast, sponsored by Growth Stock Mentor. It's your host, Justin Nielsen, along with Arusha Paris and our special guest, Scott St. Clair from the Marketsmith Group of Investors Business Daily. So uh, we were talking a lot about some of the stocks and the sitting out power, but you're really, Scott, it seems like you're being driven by what's happening in the individual stocks, your individual portfolio. And that's one of the things that you're using, that feedback, that skin in the game to kind of let you know what's happening. So maybe you could share with us a few of the stocks that you're keeping an eye on and what they're telling you right now.
1: Sure. So why don't we start with uh, Bill, B-I-L-L. Okay. I think I gave away that one already.
0: Mm-hmm. And
2: I, I do own shares of Bill. So both you and you, know, Scott, you and I both. Own so if me, of
1: me and Arisha Bill. are in it, it's got like a 12% really chance <laughs> right, Exactly. Yeah. yeah.
2: I mean, it's essentially the going for fourth and inches from your five-yard line.
1: But you're so you're saying there's a chance (laughs) for the other team for sure. Jim Carrey, I loved that one. Um, So they they did a secondary uh, like maybe two weeks ago or something, and it undercut the low of that secondary price. Uh, So that that was a a kind of a negative to me because if you Mm -hmm. bring a bunch of supply. You know, you do 5 million shares or whatever it is, and the institutions get that price, and all of a sudden it goes lower than that. Yeah,
2: you, so to talk about that a little bit more, because that, that so maybe, say the secondary was 253.
1: So if the, so I always like, when a company does a secondary, and I'm in them all the time, it seems, because when the <laughs> stocks are going up, right, they do these secondaries, you know, out of nowhere. It's mm-hmm. At least with the earnings, you know they're coming, so you can prepare yourself mentally, good or bad, but... Secondaries and it will come and it's kind of out of nowhere. And I didn't own the stock at the time, but I like to see, okay, can the, the market, the institutions, do they just sop up all that, that new supply? So MRVI was a stock that I was in that did a secondary and it just did not handle the secondary well at all mm-hmm. which told me something's wrong exit mm-hmm. get out of that stock
2: so Let's do you get... remember where what price they issued the secondary
1: mrvi yeah uh, i can tell you when they announced the secondary it was on nine okay. eight
2: you can nine, put your uh, corporate with, events with, uh, on yeah but but i i want to okay so
1: and then they did the secondary so they announced it on nine eight the stock is 60 And they do the secondary and the stock uh, goes, you know, secondary. I don't remember the price of secondary, but the stock is like 48 at the time. So So maybe it was around
2: like 50 or something, right? Yeah. The the price and and it was at 48. So everyone who bought at 50, they're already losing money at that point mm -hmm. or,
1: well, I don't, or they can get it lower. Yeah, I guess if the stock's sixty, they try to bring out this supply, and then maybe you know the investment bankers. And I've never been investment banker, so I'm not exactly hundred percent sure how it works. But they're probably going to go out on a quote unquote roadshow and see if they can generate uh, demand for it. And a lot of times that you can tell by the way the stock's acting that they they can't there's they can't get the demand. Maybe they have to start lowering that price. So, uh, it's, when you see that type of, act, and look at MRVI now, wow, 38, yeah. It's yeah. really just, it just gotten hammered and it was acting so well beforehand. So mm-hmm. it's just a really bad sign. So I use the, the price of a secondary is, is kind of a line in the sand for, for me. If I own something, I tried to own, I tried to hold MRVI through the, the, the announcement. Normally I will try to To wade through that turbulence, but it just was too poor on 9.8. I mean, it was down 10% that Mm. day. Um, It's just a little too much for me. And I just thought, move on. But with Bill, you know, it it, it looks like that was at 252. Oh, it was at 252?
0: Yeah. I'm sorry, 272.
1: 272. Okay. So they they do the secondary 272 and the stock's 260, 255. And that's a bad sign for me. The fact that it couldn't uh, hold that pr- that price, but then it came back and it held that that ten week line. If you look at the weekly chart, you'll see it had two weekly tests of that ten week line. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I got shaken
0: out, so that's why it's working. It, just and, just and so you guys know, I got know. The, I, uh, <laughs> the
1: Justin Shakeout <laughs> Alert, which right. we all email to each other. It's we the should. great greatest <laughs> signal ever. And you've got, look at the tightness you have. You've got three weeks tight right there. So it just sits there. It does the secondary. You've got to shake out. And then it just sits there for three weeks. Really like that setup. And then the last couple of days, it's really started to show strength. And then I added to the position today, in fact. And so that that,
0: three weeks tight is a little bit different than our normal. So just, Mm -hmm. if you could just kind of describe that, because rather than the three weeks tight being up, you know, and it kind of holds this is like going down and not making any further downside progress.
1: And I actually like this three weeks tight even better, honestly, because hmm. you you have it, it's trying to go lower and then can't and comes back. And then the very next week, it tries to go lower again and can't. Right. So it's it's just refusing to go down. Why? Well, the institutions are in there. If you open up the related information panel, I've never seen sponsorship. Yes. Like that. That really I, I, I think this is the, I've never seen, that's nine, is that two, four, it's nine funds out of what, 20. And because some funds have um, size, like you have, we have small cap, mid cap, and large cap in the IBD mutual fund index, you're never going to get a 20. I've never even seen double digits. This is the most that I can recall since we've uh, introduced this new, relatively new feature here in Marcus Smith. But that's look at that sponsorship. So those guys are in there supporting the stock uh, as it, as it tried to go lower. And I don't, I don't know, I, I don't believe or, or think the institutions are in there, you know, oh, where's the 10 week line, let's buy it, buy it there. It's just kind of, um, it just kind of builds on itself the, the, the stocks going lower. And like I talked about that fund manager that I talked to on the phone. And oh boy, I love when my favorite names are going lower they just think a little differently than, than we do. They just, you know, if if you think bill is $500 stock uh, over the next three to five years, then you just want to, you want to pay every price below that is a good price. So if it's going lower and you don't have your, the position you'd prefer, if you're in Vesco discovery and you have 0.24% and you want to take it to uh, a one percent position, you, you got to quadruple your position. That's a lot of buying. That's a lot of of, of stock you you, you got to buy, and that's what that's what causes it to to, to hold up like it did.
2: Yes, Scott, it, it's really funny. You highlighted the two things that really stuck out to me. That three weeks tie, which yeah, I I don't use it that much, but when I saw it, I, I it was just telling me that okay, this stock. And it goes back to the earlier concept we were talking about uh, at the first segment, this stock doesn't even want to form a base, right? It was just going up. It was trying to fight as much as possible and it put it three weeks tight. And then finally, I, ha- I just happened to have the related information panel open and I try to keep it always at the ownership. And I don't think I've ever seen so many funds in a stock. And especially this was a new stock too. This has only been public since uh, December of 2019. So it, all those kind of things just stuck out to me that, I was like, okay, let me just take a chance here as it got a back above that three weeks tight. Let me just buy a little bit here and, and get the feedback. And so far, the feedback has uh, been uh, pretty good here. But, you know, even the talk about that relative strength line, what do you see at that relative strength line? Because that doesn't even really want to go down.
1: Yeah, so it's it's uh, new highs and the price is not, right? So relative to the market, I, the bill is as high as it's ever been. It's kind mm. of a different way to look at it, but relative to the S&P 500, the stock price is as high as it's ever been, right? It's pretty much making a, a new high as we speak today. Uh, the reason you don't have the blue dot is like you mentioned, it's it's there's just no base there. It's possible it builds some kind of base, but we'll need a few... Um, it's two, a few more weeks. I think it's too deep to be a flat base and you're looking at two, four, six, this is week seven of a potential base. So if it doesn't make a new high, if it doesn't exceed three Oh two, I think there could be a base here in, in a, in a, in a week or two, uh, the algorithm would see that. But, um, again, I don't, sometimes they don't wait for you. So that's what the alternative buy point is buying off that 10 week line.
0: Mm-hmm. So uh, another one in the computer area, um, Mongo, MongoDB uh, MDB is the ticker symbol on this one. Uh, this is one that you were talking about as well. Again, one that's been holding up above the 50day moving average line. Um, wh- where you where'd you get into this and how are you handling
1: it? So I, I don't own this one, but oh I, you don't this is one yeah, that is this the is the jealousy one that one. <laughs> yeah the jealousy one. Uh-huh. <laughs> And I, I love the undercut of the, of the gap, right? Mm-hmm. So stock gaps up on earnings in um, stocks up uh, 26% in one day, you know, that's not, that's not the three of us doing that, right? I mean, the, the market is voting to stampede, mm-hmm. but I just cannot bring myself to buy those gaps because I know they come in. And so I love when they break below the low of the gap, because a lot of people like, they put their stops there, right? It's mm-hmm. an obvious place for a stop. It is an, okay, so it undercuts the low of the gap. You know, maybe something's wrong and it's fine. There, You know, you're going to have a, you got to have a stop somewhere and, and you're just, and so you're going to get shaken out. And in this case, and like Bill O'Neill would say, shakeouts are good unless you're in them. Mm. So I look for shakeouts. I look for places where people would, would put their, their stops and you see that really bad day where it broke below all of that. That was the day I was t- talking on ten four. Volume is up. Uh, mm-hmm. The stock's down six percent. Undercut the low of the gap, and all logic says that the move is over. And what happens? The stock can't even go down from for an, one more single day. It starts to rally, and then you get hit again, and it and it does and it can't go down again. You get three days up. So if I was and I should already own it. I should have bought this yesterday uh, because of that kind of fact that it undercut and couldn't, and didn't keep going lower. But I just, like I said, yesterday, I wasn't all that enamored with the market. Uh, I owned bill because I want to have something because I might be wrong about the market <laughs> and it might just come back and keep going. And so I, I, I'm, I want to be, be in there. And and have uh, you know so, some some skin in the games, but um, yeah, this one's acting pretty good too. And and uh, the action today, you know, I had I had a lot of um, jealousy with this one today. I think it was up five percent today.
2: Uh, yeah, almost five
0: percent. Yeah, four point nine. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, and it's it's funny, Scott, because when you mentioned about the the earnings gap, uh, even Bill. Had a strong. I mean, it was an earnings gap. It was just a little bit different, uh, but another strong move there. This was only up twenty nine percent, almost thirty percent on one day, seven hundred and seventy three percent volume. Now it took some time off because you know the, the market also. Sometimes you know the market is coming in. The stock refuses to to go down, and it just came right back to the ten week line, or didn't even touch. Both of these have not. They might've touched the 10 week line. They did not touch the 50 day moving average. Which one do you look at both? Cause those are those key moving averages for us. The 50 day on the daily chart, 10 week line on the weekly chart. Are you always looking at both? Cause sometimes they can differ a little bit.
1: Yeah. Because of the the math with the 50 day you're, you know, every single day you're getting a new calculation that will make a tiny bit of a change. I just use the 10 week line. Um, uh, I just want to, I'm, just do what bill says, right. Use the 10 week line. Um, yeah, which, just, which bill though, <laughs>
0: <laughs> Bill the build a founder,
1: <laughs> Bill.com. Yeah. Um, it, it just, just do what he's, if it works for him, it's good enough for him. Good enough for me. I, everything I do pretty much, I've, I steal from somebody who's shown that it works. So I was, I wasn't much of a 10 week line. Um, buyer for a long time. My career is always just buying strength, breakouts, just buy high, sell higher. And uh, just in the last, you know, 10 years or so, I've, I've gotten a lot better on it. It's one of the things I've learned to to do from, from coming in house. One of my goals besides, uh, you know, the, working there was to, I really wanted to see being immersed in the system and, Charles and Mike Webster and Bill and Steve and Arusha and I could go on and on about all those guys uh you just kind of get a, a, a be around them and you just like I'm ho- I was hopeful that osmosis would take over and I would learn you know some of their little uh nuances on how they handle positions how they enter positions etc
2: well it's funny that's exact same motivation that's the reason why i came right and that's probably the reason why we we got along so so well and immediately is that we came for a different reason because we wanted we, we were already studying canceling we came to really just say we're gonna dedicate our lives mm-hmm. to canceling and I, I don't know if either of us really imagined staying here as long as we've been but like the pullback guys'm like you it's it's I, I was a strength buyer. I'm still working on the pullback buys, but just hearing, you know, hearing you, hearing Justin, hearing Charles and Mike for sure. Um, but just even on IB live, well, I, I think I remember maybe it was a couple of weeks ago when the market was bad and y- you mentioned a stock and it was looking terrible, but you, you said I've been dying to, I think it was a, a D local. Uh, yeah. I, I'm gonna buy it here because I've been waiting for it to come here. It's under going to look terrible. Now it, 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 I guess in the longer run it didn't end up working because it's a little bit lower. but it's just that mindset because it snapped me out of it go, oh yeah, you know this even though the market's bad, I'm getting hit, it, this could be a buying
0: opportunity. You have to keep that open mind. Well, and, you know, Arusha, you've been talking about this on IBD Live is like, you know, the problem with these pullbacks is a lot of times you're getting hit on all these different sides, the markets, you know, coming down and, you know, the last thing you're thinking of is being in the mindset of buying something, you know, but again, when you look at the chart, after the fact, you know, years down the road, you know, it's like, oh, yeah, that pullback would have been easy. It was just pulling right back to the moving average. Like, you know, of course you would buy there. Why wouldn't you? Um, uh, You know, of course, we don't buy these in a vacuum. There's uh, all those market things. Um, And, you know, one other thing I just wanted to point out real quick on MDB before we move on, if you could go back to the daily, um, you know, it seems like there's some volume, you know, that has been coming up on the red, you know, the, the, the red volume, you know, you had that yeah. big volume on earnings, but some red volume. And what, what, what's interesting to me, you know, that's normally something that I don't really like to see. But what's interesting is, you go back to the weekly, and, you know, this is, again, back to what Bill would do, Bill would, you know, often count the weeks, um, he'd compare the week to the prior week, you know, and, and you don't have that same look of the, the overwhelming red volume in the, in the weekly chart. Is that something you look at, Scott?
1: I do, yeah. And I also consider like, you know, the weekly bars from the volatility standpoint. Mm-hmm. So to me, MDB, even though, and, and Bill, um, even though they're not quite the same, they look very similar from a volatility standpoint, from a risk reward standpoint. And That also influences me a little bit on, you know, whether I want to own both of them or not. I, you know, I, I probably... If I make, if you make money in bill, you'll probably would have made money in MDB. And if I lose in bill, I probably would have lost in MDB. So sometimes I I will think about that when I'm building my position, whether I want to be aggressive, which I don't really want to be here, but, uh, I also don't want to, uh, be completely on the sidelines. I think we're the, the market is in a spot where you could go either way.
0: Right. So how about one more stock?
1: Uh, are we going to do uh, Val V A L Valeris?
0: Let's do it now. This is one that you brought up uh, very early on after its IPO, especially because oil was um, you know acting so strong. So tell us uh, what what put this on your radar?
1: Yeah, I don't think it's a, I think it's a reorg. Um, oh yeah, 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 A lot of
0: a lot of those oil stocks they look like IPOs, but they are reorgs. Uh, yeah, because this <laughs> you know, kind of tells you about the industry, right? <laughs>
1: the industry was terrible, right? Oil went negative. I mean, for even for a brief moment, I think it went negative $20 $30 a barrel or something. So it it when it builds a base and, and the industry was starting to come back, you have an insider buy, uh, you have a new CEO. So there are there are a couple of factors. You don't have any earnings and sales, so it's it's more of a cyclical turnaround play. Uh, but I, I just one thing I found in the last few years is, is you have to have an amazing vision, imagination on stocks, on markets, on industries, and, and just be open that, man, anything can happen. Like GameStop, I never in a million years would have thought that something like that could happen or AMC or some of these SPACs. Uh, and so I've gotten better at that, and I'm more open to the fact that, you know, oil went negative $30. Why can't it go to 100, 150, 200? Why can't can it go to something ludicrous, uh, crazy the other way? Uh, and I think it could. And so to me, it's a great the asymmetric trade. I'll risk a little for a chance to make a lot. And Sometimes that works and I've I've held this for a while. I survived that shakeout on that pink bar day. Uh don't ask me. How. Yeah. <laughs> it it came maybe you back just and, didn't watch <laughs> it closed really well. If it yeah. had closed near the those lows, I, I it would have got me. They had shaken me out, but it it was it was down and I just tried to hold on and hold on, and hold on, and it came back. And so I was able to so did
2: you just stop like watching it and go for a walk or do work well. I mean, because that was it was down quite a bit at it that was point, or is it just lot? going off of a previous experience where it's like, look, it, it was early, was it early in the day that it was down a lot? And you're like, okay, let me give it till maybe close to the end of the day to see if it can recover.
1: Yeah, it opened very poorly and and I was my first instinct like every person is what's the news right <laughs> what's the news what's going we, on I have, I have so many friends in this business and they always it's it's just a classic trap like when a stock is up uh, down or big what's the news so I'm searching for the news and by the time I found that there wasn't any news it was down so much I was just like well, you know, I guess I'm, you know, my objective was to try to give this room. So I guess I'm, This is the test. I'm gonna have to learn to to do that. And I had a pretty good entry because I bought it coming through the, the kind of a Jesse Livermore buy point. Yeah, that right here.
2: Yep. An and 8-24. then the next day, yeah.
1: and the next day. So I yeah, bought okay. it at 25. I bought more at 26. I bought more at 28. So my average cost was pretty good. and and, and I don't like to give back from 32 to 29, you know, normally. And if it had happened over a number of days to weeks, they would have gotten me, but it happened so fast I was able to survive it. So uh, it's- Well, as you said,
0: it opened that way and, you know, quickly made that low. And then it never, it never really challenged that low for the rest of the day.
1: Yeah, well, I don't know if it quite went that exactly how, I remember it opened poorly and then it kept going lower. And I remember my instinct was, go find the news. And I remember thinking, well, that's the same thing I tell all my friends is stupid to do because <laughs> the news is irrelevant. If it hits your stop, it hits your stop. So I, I, I was going through all of these emotions. Um, here I go again. This is why I, I like to sell into strength, you know, mm-hmm. is, is going through that emotion because I prefer to sell into strength. And normally I would be out of this stock. I would have sold it uh, four or five days ago uh, into strength and just been just been onto it and so I remember thinking that it was it was like the the whole gamut of trader emotions that happened all in about three or four hours but I, I've survived it I've held on to it and uh, I'll, I'll try you know and, and I'm just just of the of the opinion that if energy goes crazy if it if it gets crazy uh, then maybe this can go a long way and and if it doesn't it has another bad day like that and, and stays down, then I'll, I'll just get out and, and you know move on to the next one. So you always have a plan, no matter what. I don't care if you're up 50% in something, 2% down, 2% or up 500%. Even that. Even Bill, when he was up, fold and fold and fold and pick and save. I remember his story about having the red line on the chart where mm-hmm. I, I had a red line on the chart. And I remember it got really close, and I was thinking, ah, I'm gonna have to start doing some selling," and it never quite got there. So you, sh- you always should have some type of plan in place for all of your positions.
0: Yeah, well, Scott, thank you so much for joining us again. Uh, you're like the Alec Baldwin of Saturday Night Live, being you know <laughs> the frequent frequent guest uh, for us. So we appreciate it, and uh, thanks for and and. You know, putting all that wisdom out there uh, for people that would like to see more of Scott. Uh, of course, you are on IBD Live regularly, and uh, you also have that weekly webinar that you do on MarketSmith. Uh, your take on the market, so another place where people can get your thoughts regularly.
1: Yep, and it's always fun to uh, do a podcast with you guys. Um, I think I'm. This is number five for me. So, anytime you get anyone close to five, you guys have to invite me back. I want to stay in that lead.
0: Yeah, and I think you get a Casio watch um for for, for that or something like yeah, that. The one with the buttons on it.
1: And, and in honor of, of uh of uh, Alec Baldwin, you see this watch, it costs more than the car you drove in on, right?
0: (laughs) Okay, perfect. (laughs) Okay, and uh, next week we're gonna have Lauren Simmons who for a time was the youngest full-time trader on the New York Stock Exchange and will be the host of a new series called Going Public. So we're really looking forward to talking to her and uh, we hope you join us for that next week. Thanks for watching, we'll see you next time. And for this week's notes and charts, make sure to go to investors.com podcast, where you'll find details for each episode in the podcast episode section. And make sure to subscribe, rate and review our podcast if you haven't already. We'd really appreciate it. You can also send us your questions and comments to investingpodcast at investors.com. We would love to hear from you and may use your comments on an upcoming episode.